the manliest thing you'll ever do in your Christian life is love other human beings the way that God loves you. It's the truth. The manliest thing you'll ever do in your Christian life is love other human beings the way that God loves you. I honestly can't think of anything manlier than that. You know, you can have the biggest and the strongest muscles. You can go hunt polar bears in the Arctic with a pocket knife. You can ink up your whole body with skulls and dragons and tribal symbols. You can become a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master who then goes on and becomes a Navy SEAL and eliminates all the bad guys in the world. You can earn yourself three PhDs and write 10, 10 New York Times best-selling books and accumulate for yourself a net worth of over $1 billion. You could do all of that. But here's the thing. You want to know what God says in 1 Corinthians 13 about all of that? He says, if you don't love other human beings the way that I love you, then you will ultimately end up building nothing, being nothing, gaining nothing absolutely nothing. You will miss the main point of your Christian life. And you don't want that. I don't want that. The manliest thing you'll ever do is love other human beings the way God loves you. So here we Go. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Grizz Podcast, where our mission is to help boys become men and to help men become better men. It's going to be raw, it's going to be real, and it's going to be relevant. Now, here's your host, Jason George. I'm your huckleberry. Yo, what's up, all my brothers from other mothers around the world? Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to tune in and listen to the Grizz podcast. Today is Monday, August 29th, 2022, coming at you from the Grizz cave. Hope you guys are doing well. And if you're not doing well, then I want you to remember that God loves you no matter what. The Holy Scriptures say that there is nothing you can do to make him love you any more than he already does. And there's nothing you have done that can make him love you any less than he already does. The Bible says his love is steadfast 
It is unchanging. That is repeated throughout the scriptures. So let that encourage you. As I said at the intro, the manliest thing you'll ever do in your Christian life is love other human beings the way that God loves you. I honestly, seriously, can't think of anything manlier than that. Listen to me, my brothers. No, actually, listen to God. He wants you to know, and I'm going to give you the scriptures in just a minute. He wants you to know that if you don't love other human beings the way that he loves you, then you will ultimately end up building nothing, being nothing, gaining nothing, absolutely nothing. You will waste your life. You're going to miss the point. And you don't want that. Remember what Jesus said, like the whole point of life, what it all comes down to? Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40. In that passage, he basically says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love others the way you love yourself. So like these are the most important things in all of life and all of scripture. He said all of the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament, like hangs on this. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and to love others the way you love yourself. That right there must be our main priority in life. That is manly. And it's got to begin within our home, with our wives and our children. And I realize that sometimes they can be the toughest people to love unconditionally. I understand that. But sometimes you are really tough to love unconditionally, right? So am I. Listen to the words of 1 Corinthians 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's writing to a bunch of self-centered Christians who live in the city of Corinth who can't even partake of the Lord's Supper, communion, without fighting each other over who's going to eat and drink first. He literally had to address that in this letter. They, they treat the Lord's Supper like it's some sort of buffet at the Golden Corral. It's ridiculous. And this is what he writes. This is such good, practical and relevant stuff for our Christian lives as Christian men. I don't care who you are. None of us got this down perfect. None of us. We all need this reminder. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, first of all, this word love that is used here in 1 Corinthians 13 comes from the Greek word agape. Unfortunately, in our English language, we have one word for all different kinds of love, and that's unfortunate. The Greeks, however, were smarter than that. They knew there were different kinds of love. They had the word eros, from which we get our English word erotic, refers to a sexual love. They had the word storge, that has to do with the type of affection the family members have for one another, a a family or familial love. I think I said that right. They also had the word uh, philia that has to do with a friendship type of affection or love. It's where we come up with the word Philadelphia, which means city of brotherly love, even though a lot of people say it's the city of brotherly shove. Hang on a second, guys. I've got to let my dog out of my office because I see my wife just pulled up. And he's going to go nuts and start barking while I'm recording. So I'm going to just go ahead and let him out so he can go get mama. Be right back.
All right. Sorry about that. Then there is this word agape, and it's distinct from all other loves. Agape is the best love. It is the love that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. He is talking about agape. He's not talking about eros, storge, philia. He's talking about agape. And this love, agape love, is all about action. It's not feelings. Agape love is about action, not feelings. It's not about, I was in love, but I fell out of love. I fell out of love. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not in love anymore. What do you mean by that? You mean you don't feel it anymore? You don't get the warm fuzzies, the tinglies, the little goo-goo-gaga romantic feelings? Okay. Guys, that's so superficial. That, that is, has nothing to do with agape love, which is so funny because at all these weddings, couples want 1 Corinthians 13 read during the wedding ceremony because it's the love chapter. Oh, and I'm like, dude, this is the kind of love that when you can't stand your husband, and when your husband can't stand you, you hang in there and you love each other regardless. That's what you do. C.S. Lewis, in his book, um, Mere Christianity, he said this about agape love. Love, in the Christian sense, does not mean an emotion. It is not a state of the feelings, but of the will that state of the will which we have naturally about ourselves and must learn to have about other people. He's right. Agape love is not an emotion or feeling. It's all about action. People say, again, I fell in love or I fell out of love with that person I was married to. You don't do that with agape love. You don't fall into it or out of it. I can't emphasize this enough. You choose it. It's a decision of the will to love another human being with this type of love. And it is the manliest thing you'll ever do. Because when you agape love other human beings... That is when you are a living manifestation of God to this broken world. Let me say that again so it sinks in. When you agape love, like 1 Corinthians 13 describes, when you do that towards other human beings, that is when you are a living manifestation of God to this broken world. You're being the most like God that you can be when you love like that. You know, the Bible's 
simplest description of God is God is love. It doesn't say love is God. It says God is love. And what love is it referring to? God is agape. That's 1 John 4.16. That's the actual Greek word for love. That's used in 1 John 4.16. Agape. God is agape love. The one who abides in agape abides in God and God abides in him. And in John 13, 35, that's another passage where it's used. Jesus said to his disciples, by this, all people will know, they will know that you are my disciples. If you have agape for one another, 1 Corinthians 13, love. Same word. Living out agape love is a defining characteristic of a disciple of Christ. You know, love, the word love, is one of the most abused and misused words in the English language. I mean, seriously. Most people, even most Christians, are absolutely clueless about what it means to truly love another human being. But here in 1 Corinthians 13, God opens our eyes to see what agape love truly looks like in real life with real people, even people that annoy us, frustrate us, hurt us, betray us. He shows us what it looks like in real life with real people. In this chapter, we see what agape love does and does not do. It says it's patient. It's kind. Doesn't envy, doesn't boast, doesn't act arrogant, isn't rude doesn't insist on its own way, isn't irritable, isn't resentful, doesn't rejoice at wrongdoings, rejoices with the truth, honesty, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Then it says, love, agape, never ends. In other words, agape love never quits loving. It's faithful. It's steadfast. It never quits. It will never stop loving. That right there is what it truly means to agape love another human being. And once again, like I look at this description in 1 Corinthians 13, and I realize how unloving I have often been throughout my Christian life. I mean, daily, I'll say, or I may text 
the phrase, I love you, whether it's to my wife, my children, a good friend. But listen, you know what? That means absolutely nothing to anyone if my actions don't back that up. In fact, I feel like it can be extremely damaging if I say that to someone, but I fail to live that out. I feel that can be extremely damaging if you say that, but you fail to live that out. My biological father did that to me. He said he loved me, but he failed in so many ways to live that out. And as a result, what happened? I lost respect for him. I even grew to hate him for a season of life. I even feel like I grew to hate Christianity for a season of life. And I I feel like it was related to my relationship with my dad because he was, in many ways, a hypocrite. He did some things right, for sure. His life didn't match his words. You see, you don't tell your son you love him and then don't protect him from those who harm or abuse him. You don't tell your son you love him and then show no interest really in his life because you're too busy off living with your new rich girlfriend. And I'm not trying to beat up my dad right now. I could go on and on. My father did some unloving things, yet he often told me, I love you, J-Man. Again, that's damaging. Don't be that guy. Be better than that. That's what I'm trying to do. The type of man you need to be is laid out for you And it's laid out for me in 1 Corinthians 13. And it's got to begin at home with our wife and with our kids. Who, as I said many times, after you've been married a while, after you've had kids for a while, when your kids become teenagers, when they become college age, young adults, smart, opinionated, argumentative, It has to begin at home with our wife and kids, even when they can be annoying, can take you for granted, disrespect you, mock you, laugh at you, use you, you fill in the blank. They don't deserve my love. Look at agape love. Nobody deserves that. It is a love that you give even when the person doesn't deserve it. I mean, Jesus, I remember he even talks about like, it's so 
easy to love those who love you back. It's like that's that's really not what I'm calling my followers to do. Anybody can do that. You'll love the person who loves you back because by doing that, you know you're getting something in return. It's like a swap, right? Jesus says to his disciples, his followers, which I'm trying to be one. I hope you're trying to be one. I don't want to just call myself a Christian or call myself an evangelical or Protestant or whatever denominational titles. I don't want to do that. There was this man, Jesus, that lived a little over 2,000 years ago here on earth. He lived a perfect life. He did many incredible, miraculous things, proving that he was not from this world, proving that he was truly the promised Messiah, Son of God. He fulfilled all of the Messianic prophecies of the New Testament. I mean, the Old Testament. And he willingly allowed himself to be brutally executed. And he rose from the dead. And he ascended back into heaven. That guy, that God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's who I'm trying to follow And he tells me, love other people the way I love you. You mean the people that love me back? Yeah, definitely them. But also the people who don't love you back. Love them too. Be patient, be kind, don't envy, don't boast, don't be arrogant, don't be rude. Don't insist on your own way. Don't be irritable. Don't be resentful. Don't rejoice at wrongdoings. Rejoice with the truth. Bear all things. Believe all things. Hope all things. Endure all things. And never quit doing it. You want to know why most men don't live that out? Because it's the hardest freaking thing you'll ever do. It's the most selfless thing you'll ever do. You have to eat a lot of humble pie to do this. You have to let go of being right all the time. You have to let go of winning the argument. It is the hardest and most selfless thing you'll ever do, but it's also the most transformative, impactful, and lasting thing you'll ever do to love another human being the way God loves you. This is what changes people, guys. It's revolutionary. It literally is. Who's doing this? It's so anti-revolutionary. It's just a revolt against, against like the tide of our world system. This is what people remember long after you've died and you go to be with the Lord in heaven. 
that guy loved me unconditionally. He never stopped loving me. I treated him like crap. I, I did this. I took him for granted. I, I, he never stopped loving me. Nobody loved me the way that guy did. Don't you want your wife to say that? Don't you want your kids to say that? Your grandkids? Don't you want friends to say that? Maybe a neighbor. Maybe it's a non-believer that you're trying to reach that has every good argument against Christianity. But they say, you know what? He spoke the gospel to me. But that guy loved me unconditionally. Even when I mocked him. Again, most men don't live this out because this kind of love, agape love, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. It's doing the uncomfortable, inconvenient thing. To live this out is going to be a hellacious fight. It will require you to continually die to your selfish desires, to to die to what comes natural. But that's because you're choosing to live for something far greater and more lasting than your personal comfort, pleasure, entertainment, status, your glory. Remember, guys, life's not about you. It's not about my needs, my wants, my desires, my ambitions, my dreams, my goals, my success, my comfort, my happiness, my fame, my status, my popularity, my position, my preeminence, my point of view, my glory. It's not about you. Remember, life is about glorifying God and enjoying him forever. That is the chief end of man. And how do we do that? A little bit of a review from those episodes on death to selfie. Number one, we daily seek after him and we strive to stay in tune with him. We do that by digging into scripture, trying to fellowship with God throughout our day. How do you fellowship with God throughout your day? Prayer, thanksgiving, worship, meditation. Start your day with God, but you strive to stay in tune with Him throughout your day. Music can help with this. Good podcasts, audiobooks can also help with this. I hope that the Grizz podcast helps you with this. How else do we glorify God with our lives? This goes with what we're saying on this episode. We look at other people's lives as more significant than ourselves. And we do that by not just looking out for our own interest, which is what we naturally do. It comes so easy. But by also intentionally looking out for their interest. What interests them 
What are their needs? If I were them, what would I want or desire or need? Then go meet that need, that desire. Provide that, whatever it is. And what is that called when you do that? Agape love. The manliest thing you will ever do. When a man lives out this kind of love, it not only transforms those around him, but it transforms the man himself. So a lot of people don't realize. I would just change if people would just really love me. No one loved me. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to the psychology, theology and psychology. When a man lives out this kind of love, agape love, it not only transforms those around him, but it transforms the man himself. It has a transforming impact upon you. When you love people, agape love, who don't even deserve it, has a transforming impact even upon you. Dr. Carl Menninger, the famous psychiatrist and founder of the Menninger Clinic, I think I said that right. He wrote this, love is the medicine for our sick world. If people can learn to give and receive love, they will usually recover from their physical or mental illness. Man. But again, this kind of love is hard stuff. It's a challenge. It's a battle. It's a lifelong battle. To love the way Christ loved, agape love, you will suffer at times. You will be misunderstood. You will be taken for granted. You will be taken advantage of. You'll be overlooked, forgotten. You'll be betrayed. You'll be frustrated. You'll be angry. You're going to weep. Your heart is going to get broken at times. Welcome to the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. What are you experiencing in all of that that Christ did not experience? Nothing. He gets it. All of it. Maybe you haven't thought about this before, but God does have feelings. He feels things and he feels them deeply. We're made in his image, his likeness. He gave us feelings. And God is deeply hurt by human beings constantly because he loves them. And God is deeply hurt even by us, his blood-bought, adopted children. We hurt him. At times, we take him for granted. At times, we betray him. At times, we choose other lovers over him. He doesn't deserve that. He's been faithful in unconditionally loving to us our entire existence. Pastor John MacArthur said, I love this, it is easier to be orthodox than to be loving. It is easier to be active in church work than to be loving. 
Yet the supreme characteristic that God demands of his people is love. And I love that John MacArthur admits that. Because he's Mr. Orthodox, right? He's passionate about truth. It is easier to be orthodox than to be loving. And easier to be active in church work than to be loving. Yet the supreme characteristic that God demands of his people is agape. Most men are doing their own thing, guys, for their own benefit with little to no regard for what will bring joy or peace or freedom or relief or guidance or encouragement to others in need. They're just doing their own thing for their own benefit with no regard for those needs that others may have. Don't be that guy. You can be better than that. I can be better than that. Die to selfie daily. Maybe you sucked at this the last few days or the last week or the last month. I totally get it. I totally get it. I have times like that. I blow it too, guys. It's embarrassing. I hate the way I act and talk sometimes. I hate the attitude I have sometimes. When I read through this whole, you know, love is not irritable, love's not resentful, love's not rude, arrogant. I mean, I don't, I don't go through that and check the, bo- the box like, got that, got that, done that. I see a lot that I don't live up to all the time. Also, I guess with that, don't be so foolish to think that your own determination or your own willpower or inner strength is enough to consistently love like this, to love like God loves. You you don't have it in you, and neither do I, to love like this all of the time. Not like 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. So it makes people go like, well, then why would God command it of me, expect it of me, yet I'm incapable of doing it on my own? Well, because to love like this, listen, you've, you've got to realize that to do that, you've got to draw close to God daily. I have to put myself in utter dependence upon him. I have to admit to him, I can't love like this without you working in me and through me. Jesus described the relationship that we're to have with the Father like this. He said, he's the vine. I'm only one of his branches. Apart from him, I can do nothing of deep, eternal significance, including loving people the way he does. I I can't do it. He's the vine. I'm one of his branches. If a branch is not attached, um, to the vine. Think of a big oak tree. I've got a couple in my yard and there's a branch that comes off the big trunk of the oak tree. If that branch is cut off, 
it is incapable of that next season when it's time to grow leaves. It's incapable of that. The branch can't do that in and of itself. It must be connected to the vine, the trunk of the tree. I have to constantly go to God and admit that to him. Cast all my burdens upon him, my inadequacies. I got to plead with him to work in me and through me because without him, I suck at this agape love thing. I can't do it on my own. Then, and only then, as I continually surrender myself to him and stay in utter dependence upon him, then he is able to agape love through me. He is the true source of agape love. I just act as a conduit. Pastor John MacArthur also said this, when we stray from the source of love, which is God, it is impossible to be loving. That's so spot on. This is exactly what I'm saying. The vine, the branch. When we stray from the source of love, it is impossible to be loving. That's what I'm talking about. He's the vine. We are his branches. Apart from him, we can't do this. We have to remain in vital connection, fellowship with God, period. I also want to mention that when I move away from God, when I get out of fellowship with him, when I go and allow sin back into my Christian life, and there's times I do, I have. It always hinders my ability to love other human beings the way he's commanded me to. When there's sin in my life, don't think you're going to come out of that and be able to fulfill 1 Corinthians 13 with your wife, your kids, or anybody else. There's sin in your life. Oh, you're irritable. You're arrogant. You're not patient. (laughs) You're not kind. Things are blocked. The flow is blocked. The flow of love in you through you is blocked. Why? Sin clogs the pipes every time. And I wish I could say it's so simple. All you have to do is a 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's not add to 1 John 1, 9 what God does there when we confess our sins. He says he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. In other words, before him, we are made clean. We're covered, thank God, by the blood of Christ. But that doesn't mean, man, we can go right back into that awesome, close fellowship with God where he's just flowing in us and through us where this awesome conduit for him to be used by him this radiating light in the world we mess that up and just because you confess your sin to god doesn't mean that bam all of a sudden that's fixed that's restored 
No, it says when you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. You, you're covered by the blood of Christ. We should confess our sins. And we should know what that does for us. Our standing before God is right because of the blood of Christ. We're claiming the blood of Christ over our lives again when we make confession to God. We come before the throne of grace. We come before the mercy seat. God, I blew it again as a Christian. I confess that I did and fill in the blank. I am sorry. Forgive me. I know that I am cleansed by the blood of your son before you. I am made clean before you. But then you should go on and say, God, restore me. Restore me. God, help me to come back into that close fellowship with you to be uh, the branch that's attached to the vine. In my experience, in my personal life, but also talking to other guys, that takes time. That takes work and effort coming back into that getting back in like they call like with athletes in the zone. Cause sin, it just messes so many things up, man. Anyway, I'm camping out there a little longer than I wanted. Um, our first priority must be keeping in fellowship with God, love him supremely, live in step with him. That requires obedience Get the sin out of your life. Deal with sin. Don't just confess it. We, we got to repent. We got to turn away. We've got to say, I'm going to put off the old man. I'm going to put on the new man, Christ. Think on these things, my brothers, and go make the changes that you need to make in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting friendships, etc. Remember, the manliest thing you'll ever do is love others the way God has loved you. So go be manly. Grizzen. You know what I'm saying. Hey guys, a couple closing items of Grizz Biz before we wrap up this episode. Number one, I send out a periodic email for Christian men to help guide, encourage, and equip them in their journey with Christ. Um, that's it. I'm not trying to sell you anything or whatever, and I'm not going to give your email out to others, you know, anything like that. It's I don't do that. But it's called the growl. Let's see. Where's my growl button? And um, if you'd like to be part of that, if you'd like to receive that, uh, go to narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, scroll down on that homepage and you'll see a place where you can click on that and it'll take you to this place where you can put in your email address and subscribe to that, uh, that periodic email that I send out. And then also, uh, sometimes I forget to mention this, we have a closed Facebook group that's called The Grizz Tribe, The Grizz Tribe. That's for just, uh, it's like a brotherhood of Christian guys. I think there's about 450 guys that are part of that right now. 
Um, if you'd like to be part of that, it's a great place to share prayer requests, a great place to share like, hey, I got this out of my devotion this morning, uh, maybe a link, maybe a video, maybe something funny. Like humor is always good. Share that. Sometimes there's some healthy trash talking going on in the group. If you'd like to be part of that, you're welcome to. If you don't want to be part of that, it's fine. If you don't want to be on the email list, that's fine too. Uh, also, we have something new that kicks off tonight, launches. That's called Climb Teams. It's our online support accountability groups. I've been talking about that the last few episodes, so I'm not going to say a whole bunch right now. If you want to learn more about what that is, maybe be part of that, go to narrowtrail.com and then you can go to our page that says Climb Teams. You can learn all about it. If you have any questions about that, you can contact us at info at narrowtrail.com, info at narrowtrail.com. Also, would encourage you guys, if you are a regular listener, you listen to the podcast like every week when an episode drops and you're like, man, I enjoy this. I get something out of it. Thank you, Jay. Would you consider becoming a monthly supporter of the Grizz podcast? And just so you know, the Grizz podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated. Narrow Trail is a nonprofit, a legit 501c3. So when you give to the Grizz podcast, you are going to get the tax write-off because you're giving to a nonprofit. Um, even guys that are like, I listen every week, but I just give like $10 a month. That's awesome. We appreciate it. Even just a monthly support of $10 per month. That's awesome. Like I said, and it's great. I really appreciate all the guys that do that. If you would like to become one of our monthly supporters, you can do that by going to narrowtrail.com forward slash give, go to the give page and it'll take you to a page where uh, it's just safe, it's secure, it's easy, everything's confidential. Again, when you set all that up, nobody gives away your information, anything like that. We hire a legit, expensive third party um, to handle all of that for us so things are done right. So... That's really it, man. I can't think of anything else. So thanks for tuning in, man. Got some good feedback from you guys. Got some emails from some guys. Got a couple text messages the past week uh, for the last episode. Said, good episode, Jay. That was strong. Appreciate it. Anyway, I want to close out this episode with one of my favorite songs by the group Pillar. I don't know why, but I've been listening to Pillar a lot. They're not a group anymore. I think they broke up. Um, but this song is called One Love Revolution, and the lyrics go like this, man. It really goes with uh, what I'm talking about on this episode. He says, open your mind and eyes and realize, time to switch up now, pay attention, recognize. We need each other, like a slipper needs a Cinderella to fight this fight against the biggest, baddest mad gorilla. Warfare, no time to spare. When there's so many people in this world in deep despair, you see, we could be what this world really needs and give love freely, become family, one love, one name. Let's come together. It's a one love revolution, foolproof solution to end all the senseless tragedies, a one love revolution, fight the pollution, 
take a stand and let love win. It's a one love revolution. Goes on, he says, this is our time to rise and be the ones. Take a chance and risk it all for the sake of love. We got to fight it. Separate from all the hate. Unite us. Together we can make this world better, less divided. Warfare, no time to spare. When there's so many people in this world in deep despair, you see we could be what this world really needs. Give love freely. Become family. A one love revolution. One heart, no shame. One love, one heart, one name. It's a one love revolution, foolproof solution to end all the senseless tragedies. A one love revolution, fight the pollution. Take a stand and let love win. It's a one love revolution.